Hello, um, is anyone still there? Welcome to the Punks in Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird. So it's uh, it's been a while. How are you? How was your summer? Um, I hope you are well and all is good. Um, so me, well, Punks in Pubs uh, has been on an unscheduled hiatus since the end of July. So the plan was uh, to go to Punk Rock Holiday over August and come back with fresh ideas and kick back on with a podcast. But uh, my suicidal hard drive had other ideas. So what I mean by that is that my hard drive basically became fucked. I have no idea what happened to it over August. It wasn't dropped. I didn't spill water on it. It wasn't left in the sun. It just fucking decided that it was done. It was done with the podcast. It was done with me. It was like a breakup that I've had so many times, just no explanation. Uh, so I took it to my local computer guy and he informed me that there was a major failure inside the hard drive. And what I needed to do was if I wanted the data back, I had to send it to data recovery. I did that and then I was told that it was going to cost me 800 fucking pounds. Who has 800 pounds? I am not a savvy saver. I've never saved well I just don't have that money. So I put it out there, let you guys know what was going on because I don't want you guys to forget about us. Um, And I also asked you to go and buy our t-shirt, our Punks and Pubs t-shirts from the Exy store or go and donate to our GoFundMe page to help me raise money to get my fucking data back. So thank you to all the people who have done that. You can still do this by going to the Exy or going to our GoFundMe page. Because on that hard drive, we've got several interviews that haven't been released. Uh, Original t-shirt designs for the t-shirts I'm trying to get you to buy. As well as my promo video that was created by Stephen Burke. And most importantly, past conversations and interviews I've had that has gone out over this podcast over the past uh, 30, 40 plus episodes. Um, So yeah, uh, you can help me get that back or hopefully get that back. It's never 100%. Uh, by going to buy a t-shirt and or go donate by the uh, GoFundMe page. Any support you give is greatly appreciated. But I did save some interviews on my SD card. Well, I say saved. It was just I left it on there because I was too lazy to transfer it over to my hard drive. Um, so that's why we've got this interview that I'm about to give you right now. Like I said, I no longer have the original audio from the past two years, and that's why I put out this short special as a standalone episode. So I sat down uh, with Mark and Ramon back in the summer, and the original plan was to sit down for an hour, and we'll speak about his early life in New York, and then go on to the Ramones and beyond. But basically, Marky got into London late, and as you will hear in the interview, that hour-long chat was cut very short uh, by his tour manager, I did not know this was going to happen. I was still under the belief that I still had an hour. So when I'm speaking to Marky, we start talking about growing up in New York, food and Richard Hell. 
But as we were just about to talk about the Ramones, the interview was cut short. So my original plan was to tag it to the end of the original release of episode 42 of the Ramones Museum episode, kind of like a re-release. Uh, but that went to shit when the hard drive decided to kamikaze itself. But I didn't want this short interview to go to waste, as I'm sure some of you will enjoy uh, what we did. So I decided to put it into this short little episode, a little special for all of you to enjoy. Uh, just a quick heads up. People do come in and out of the room a bit, uh, so at times you may hear movement, uh, but that's all part of the uh, kind of gorilla recording ethos that we've got here at Punks and Pubs. Also, another reason I wanted to put this episode out was just because I don't want you to forget us, really. I haven't put an episode out since the end of August. I hope to get interviews back out in October. I just need to get a couple of more interviews under my belt, so we've got a nice little safety net because obviously at times I'm not interviewing people week in, week out. Sometimes it could be a month or sometimes it can be a couple. And I don't like to put stress on myself just to do an interview for interview's sake. I like to interview people who I find interesting. So yeah, so for selfish reasons as well, I've put this interview out as a standalone so you don't forget us because I want you to stick with us. This is not going away. We are sticking around. That's enough of my waffling. Enjoy this short but fun interview with Marky Ramon. This is Rock and Roll Radio. Come on, let's rock and roll with the Ramones. I like the weather in, in England. Yeah? Yeah, I like the clouds. I like the mist, the rain. You know, I'm not, I'm not a sun beach guy. I'm not. I, I'm like a, I, I will go into the shade as much as possible. Yeah, I'm not into that. No, nor am I, man. And so, obviously, we're going to talk about the Ramones. But what's, I want to start talking about something that I've discovered as I've researched you is your love for food. Oh, yeah, my only vice. Where does that come from? Is that from, like, family? Or is that something you've kind of grown into touring a lot? My grandfather used to be the chef of the 21 uh, Copacabana in New York, very famous nightclub in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and that's when he worked there. So uh, as a little boy, we'd go to hit to my grandparents' house, and I'd watch him cook. I mean, I was never a master chef, but I could cook. So I decided to make my own pasta sauce, I'm, gonna, I'm coming out with my own beer in South America. I got my own hot sauce. I like the tinker. Yeah. Uh, it took me six months to get the right uh, consistency in the sauce. But I, I also did it because I had the opportunity to give to a charity. Okay, what charity which is Which is good. I see I'm involved with three different ones. This, is, this one was 
against uh, MS, I think multiple sclerosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what happens when somebody can't control their motor nerve? Yeah, so that's MS. That, that, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, MS. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the beer, when it gets distributed in America, I want to give it towards uh, uh, veterans without limbs. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, different uh, things that I could give to a charity. But getting back to the, to the cooking, my grandfather was the head chef of Copacabana in its heyday. But it was owned by gangsters. But they liked him because he was a great cook and they know that he wouldn't poison them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I suppose when you're surrounded, though, by those kind of people, you must be worried that if you fuck up, like, there's, there's major consequences... You mean uh, the the people he was working Serving for? for yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So like, yeah. If, if if the meatballs weren't how it needs to be, the sauce wasn't how it needed very to be. Very strict. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's how you get good very quickly. Very strict. Yeah. Uh, in the Copacabana, you never know who wore. He, he used to serve Betty Davis, Humphrey Bogart. He served um, Nat King Cole, Sammy Davis Jr. In my book, I was going to put in all the photos of the people that he took photos with. But my grandmother ripped them all up. Oh, man. She ripped them all up. I don't know why, but she ripped them up. Maybe she didn't want to look at them anymore. <laughs> but uh, they, that would have been a nice treat. So during that time then, would you, would, can you remember if your grandfather brought back any of the music they was hearing from the kitchen? Like, would he come back and go... Oh, yeah, yeah. Sinatra, Dean Martin, um, Tony Bennett. Um... What else did he like? Oh, Louis Armstrong. So for you then, you were growing up in Brooklyn, which wasn't the hipster paradise it is now. It, like, it, was, it was a very dangerous place to be. There probably, were one of the, probably the most dangerous place in the world. So growing up in that area then, how was that? Like, Was it kind of like school of hard knocks or were you sheltered? Did your family go, like, protect you away from that? No, we, we lived in the heart of the heavy shit. You know, um, there's always fights, arguments, standoffs, even in school. Yeah. You know, you, ha you had to be careful. You had to be very careful. If you, if you were living under those conditions, you grow eyes in the back of your head. Yeah. But from that time, though, there must have been a lot of art going on around you, though. So, like, people who couldn't express themselves physically, they might have gone and been an artist or creative-wise. Oh, yeah, a band started yeah. and... Um, a lot of people, a lot of friends went to Vietnam. So it was a lot of stuff like that, you yeah. know. If you're going to fight, go fight a war. Was, that, was there any, like, danger of you being drafted? Was that ever... I, I was. You did? Oh, yeah, okay. 77. Okay. I didn't go to Vietnam, but if, if they didn't end the war at that moment, I would have went. I had to go. And were you, were you going to go? Would you have fought it? Would you have tried no, to have gone I, I, I would go. Yeah. I wouldn't make up any bullshit stories. Yeah. Because that follows you around. Follows <laughs> you around wherever you go. Yeah. Um, when I did get drafted, a couple of months later, the war ended. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that's obviously a, a thankful thing that happened. So, what, during that time, obviously, there was a load of music going on that kind of became the soundtrack of Vietnam. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> were you digging that at the time, or were you kind of rebelling against it, didn't really enjoy the Hen like the Hendrix that were going on, all the Dylan's. Uh, Hendrix is great. Yeah, great. I, I got the first Who album, the first Hendrix album, Cream. 
I mean, even before that, the Beatles. So it's funny you say the Beatles because I always kind of go back when people talk about punk music. I always go back to the Beatles and especially Helter Skelter because for me that is a punk like track. Well, like, was Helter Skelter by the Beatles? Oh, definitely. So for you, like li- listening back to other like tracks that weren't in the um, punk era. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you go? That's definitely a punk. Yeah, yeah. Just no, without on the my title. radio show, I play any band that I feel has a punk song. Yeah. I mean, even the song I'm Down by the Beatles mm. is a punk song. Yeah. That's a punk song. Shut the door. So, so when you are listening, so when people talk about punk to you, do you get pissed off when people are like, well, punk started in uh, 70-something? Like, just because it wasn't titled punk, punk was still happening. Like, the sound of punk was still happening. Like, do, do you get frustrated by that? It was solidified at CBGB's. Mm. That's where it started. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, there, were, there were individuals and groups that had punk elements. But when you listen to the first Ramones album, you know, that was, that was the thing. Yeah. I mean, they had things before that that was, that, that, were called, that was called garage rock. But the speed intensity of the Ramones, no, nobody could match that at the time. So how did the... I dr- wasn't even in the band, and I'll, say, I'll yeah. admit it. So how did the drums come about then? Because the drums must have been, as an instrument in Brooklyn for space-wise, must have been probably the most like difficult instrument you probably could have chosen. Nothing you could do. I, I had a share room with my brother. I put the drums in the corner, and I and I put them together piece by piece. Yeah. And were you in a tower block? Oh, I. Were you in a tower block like you, when you were living at home? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So did people... Four-story. Yeah. I used to cut out of school at lunchtime and go home and play for an hour. Nobody was there. They were all working. Mm. You know. So how did your family feel about, like, you having a drum set? Because I think a lot of kids, like, a lot of families go, you can pick any instrument apart from the drums. So were they, like... Very supportive. Yeah? Yeah. They knew I had something, so they they pushed it, you know? Wasn't easy coming from where I I was raised. Mm. You know, so they were happy to see that I had something. They knew I wasn't going to go to college. You started playing the drums. At what point did you start actually going, this could be a career, I could actually make a living out of this? When I did my first album with Dust, that was two albums. Well, the band formed when I was 17. So professionally, my first album came out when I was 18. And did you instantly think... This is this is my career now. Yeah, or, that's it. Yeah, you didn't even try and do a bar job to subsidize, no, no, or no, no. I mean, I had little things, be, you know, before that. I was delivering stuff. Uh, I was a messenger. So when when you left Dust, you you went and played with Richard Hell, who yeah. who's a guy who's kind of created the look of British punk, of course, safety, safety pins, yeah. and stuff like that. Well, Malcolm took it back, brought it back to Vivian Westwood. And they uh, cut the Sex Pistols' hair off, uh, cropped it up like Richard put holes in their clothes and safety pins. Yeah. So when you first saw Richard, was he was it quite a striking look and go, oh, I quite like that? Or were you like, what are you doing, man? No, it was just different. Yeah. You know, that's what he wanted to to be. So you live and let live. You know, I don't get, I didn't give a shit. Yeah. You know. How was he to work with then? He was a he was a heroin addict. So when we toured with The Clash, it was hard for him to cop. 
we toured with them for I think five weeks in 77 in England hmm. so he would always be worried where he was going to get his next fix so we'd usually get it from Johnny Thunders or Jerry Nolan who were here living here already and they were with track records and um, Richard knew his connection but how, so how would he be able to cop if he was in London then he had to go all the way to Bristol or something so when we got back from England to New York, he didn't want to tour anymore. Yeah. That's when I heard through Dee Dee that Tommy wanted to produce. He didn't, he didn't want to tour anymore. And so, I told Tommy, why, uh, the band's great with this lineup. Why can't you, why can't you stick, stick together? You know? What's the matter? I want to produce, so, you know. Yeah. So I understood. So uh, he told them... And then we just got together. We did three songs, and I fit in. That was perfect. Because I was on the same label as Rich, as uh, the Ramones, uh, Sire Records. Yeah. So there wasn't really any contractual problems. So I've heard you say that you used to watch the Ramones, and you were a fan of the Ramones prior. Yeah. So, yeah. You, so you go to CBGs, and you see them. But obviously when we, you... They, they came to see my first band, too, oh, really? before there was the Ramones. Yeah. When you saw them, because they were, they were renowned for kind of having... A little hissy fit if things weren't going their way, drop the guitars, yeah. walk off and come back on. Right. Were part of you like, I don't want any of that. Like, I don't want to be part of that at all. First I thought it was part of the act, but it wasn't. But then I realized after that, uh, you know, it was like a family, like a gang. You disagree with somebody, say, fuck you, you throw your guitar down, and then you make up in the back, you come back. They were only doing 20-minute sets back then. And I could see why Tommy... Who was really different than they were, didn't really want to stay anymore. We're a happy family, we're a happy family, we're a happy family, me, mom and daddy. We're a happy family, we're a happy family, we're a happy family, me, mom and daddy. Sitting here in Queens, eating with our knees, wearing all the magazines, gulping down for our seats. We ain't got no friends, our troubles never end, no Christmas comes to send, daddy likes me. So when you stepped in, uh, Tommy ended up producing Road to Ruin. Yeah. Was that like kind of like a, a really comfortable for you because you could ease yourself in and you've got a guy there who knows this band? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was good that Tommy was there. Yeah. Um, he, um, he knew the Ramones sound and I knew that he would get a good drum sound because he gave me a set. It was already tuned uh, to the way he had them. Uh, when he was playing his last live shows. Mm. So, you know, that was it. Okay, so we've only got two more two more questions, is that what you're saying? No, we have two more interviews. Oh, you got the two next more? Okay, so we're going to skip through a lot of this then. Um, something I do want to touch on is two things then. Okay, so you play you play with the Rones, you're playing for Richard Howe for the past 30 years you've been playing the with Misfits the Misfits played with me. Yeah. Uh, Jerry and Des was wasn't really the Misfits. It was just you know uh, three people getting together doing Misfits songs. Yeah. Then I left that, but I decided that the Ramones songs are too good not to be played. Yeah. And that's what I enjoyed doing, playing forty Ramones songs, not thirty, not thirty-two, forty. Do you feel like a weight though, because you've got the Ramones name to keep it going now? Well, I, I find that I, I feel it's a privilege. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. I, w I did 
1,700 shows with them. And I was with them for 15 years, close to 15 years. So I'm the guy. I mean, I should wrap this up because if you've got a couple more interviews, I don't want to take up your time, man. But thank you anyway. And thank you. Thank for you. This. Pleasure. Under the outdoor with the steamboats, ancient goblins and wallows. Come at the grand light making a sound. The smell of death is all around. And at night when the cold wind blows, no one cares, nobody knows. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. To the sacred place This ain't a dream I can't escape Smoldering some fangs that are picking up bones Spirits moaning among the tombstones And at night when the moon is bright Someone cries something ain't right I don't want to be buried in a bed Thank you to Marky for sitting down and talking with me and having a very quick chat. Marky did promise that we will pick this back up next time he's in the UK. So fingers crossed we will actually finish this interview. Just a quick kind of behind the scenes. Uh, when I turned up, the first thing that Marky said to me was, what the fuck is going on with this Boris Johnson dude? Uh, so we actually spent 15 minutes talking about politics. So I can tell you that he's not a fan of Boris Johnson. He's definitely not a fan of Donald Trump. Anyway, as I stated at the top of this podcast, uh, we will be back in October. But if you want to help the podcast get back on its feet, you can do that by going to pick up a Punks in Pubs t-shirt via our Etsy site. Just go to Etsy and search Punks in Pubs. Or you can go donate via the GoFundMe page. Again, just do what I just said on the Etsy site. Uh, Go to the GoFundMe website and search Punks in Pubs. We will be back in October for sure. I've missed you. I hope you have missed us. Until next time, if you're going to a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up again. I've missed you. I truly have. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.